the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Anything and everything that's on your heart, we'll do the best we can to answer. And I have reinforcements in the studio with me today. It's the Date Day Edition, and that means Paula is live. All you have to do is call us 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area here in San Antonio, you can call 877-630-KSLR, 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. You have to just hit one button, call now, and then you can talk using your hands-free feature. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. Welcome to the show, Paula. Thank you, baby. Of course, you've been hanging out with me all day. Yes, but not on the show, so this is another venue, so thank you very much for your kind, (laughs) warm welcome. You know, before we started talking, Paula, and and we'll take phone calls uh, with questions if if you have any at any time, Uh, but, uh, Paula, I thought... Uh, before we got started, it's been just a couple of minutes thinking about Jesus on this day, day five mm-hmm. of his Passion Week. A significant day, of course. It was a day. Think about what it would be like to be Jesus on this day, knowing what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Um, assuming because Elijah and Moses had appeared to him on the Mount of Transfiguration, he knew all of the things that were going to happen and he would get up on this day. It's uh, Thursday for us. Uh, he would get up on this day knowing that um, tomorrow he was going to experience something that he couldn't possibly understand. I know that sounds heretical to say God couldn't understand something. But how could God, who always was, understand death, finality, and separation from his father? And yet he'd wake up this morning, if he got any sleep at all, he'd wake up this morning and 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 for the first time ever, perhaps, be completely perplexed by that which he was about to experience. Uh, this is the day that the Lord would sit with his disciples and wash their feet in the upper room and uh, institute the sacrament of communion. Um, he would tell Judas what you do, do quickly, knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And incidentally, he did that after the bread was was taken, but but before the cup was utilized. Um, we always say here at Cover Chapel that communion is a family celebration, and um, it was time for Judas to go. He had no part of Jesus. And on this Last Supper, imagine what it must have been like washing the feet of your betrayer first. That's the way they would have been seated around the table. And looking into their eyes, and I wonder if the the 12 that were there 
notice there was anything more solemn, anything, you know, we can have a sense when something's really troubling. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what, what they were thinking as, as Jesus was washing their feet and looking directly into their eyes. One after the other, and then finally with Peter. You're not going to wash my feet if I don't wash your feet. You have nothing to do with me. Then wash all of me, Lord. And um, That was on this day. It was this day that he would be led out of the upper room and make his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he would suffer agony and, and the, the full forces of hell would come against him. Um, after his agony in the Garden, it was on this day that Judas would betray him with a kiss. Like King James here, it said, Jesus looked at Judas and said, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And we can only imagine what Judas must have felt like as he would kiss him to identify him to the Roman cohort. And and then just just walk away and we know that Judas is about to kill himself. Um, it's just impossible for us. And then, betrayed by an enemy, that, that was Judas, but, but knowing he would be betrayed by a friend, this would be the night where Peter disowned him and the rooster crowed. And Jesus would look across that courtyard as they hurried him out and see Peter there as the rooster crowed. They, they would have made eye contact and Jesus would have looked at Peter and tried to communicate a message to Peter that said, it's okay, I've prayed for you. Satan has asked for you by name, he said earlier, but I've prayed for you. And after you're restored. And Peter, of course, would have been completely crestfallen. I just can't imagine yeah. what that was like. Yeah. And knowing that, that Jesus is love, God is love, that... He loved Judas every bit as much as he loved Peter. Because there's no partiality. He loved them both the same. And like you're saying, uh, Judas made himself God's enemy. Jesus never was Judas's enemy. You know, to think, wow, he'd been there with all of them the whole time. You know, Paul, I, I, you just made me think about this. When I give invitations, and I know God is working on hearts, I, I'm... I'm I'm praying to myself, Lord, please move on their hearts. And and I just, I think about Jesus washing Judas's feet. Yeah. Probably saying, please, Father, mm-hmm. set this man free mm-hmm. from his enemy. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus, because he was God, he knew he that knew. he was the son of perdition from the beginning, doomed to destruction. Yeah. But that still never changed his yeah. heart for praying for. Oh, my goodness, yeah. But then to know... Peter, you know, just put in his mouth more than half the time. I can relate. Um, Jesus also knew his heart. You know, when you are restored, you know, when you are restored, then feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. He knew that in for Peter. So Peter, he had a heart for God. And so there's no suicide in the scripture for him. And, you know, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm shaking my head because as you're talking, can you imagine? No, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, all that Jesus takes on that, you're just talking about two people. He's, he's got everybody from before time began in his heart and on his mind. He knows who's going to be saved. He knows who's not going to be. That's just too much. No, I can't imagine that. What an awesome God. Yeah, it's it's a stunning thought. Thing. You know, Jesus would get no sleep on this night, knowing what lay ahead. He would spend the night uh, in agonizing prayer with his Father. Mm-hmm. Um, in the garden, he prayed three times, Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass. And three times the answer was no. Sometimes we think God isn't answering our prayers because we don't get what we ask for. Well, Jesus was able to say, nevertheless, thy will, not my will, be done. And his prayer was answered. This was the will of his Father in heaven. And um, I wonder, I just wonder if that subject was revisited that night when he couldn't sleep. I'm sure. 
as he would look around and see his disciples, soon to be apostles, and he would know how hard it was going to be for them. And I'm convinced personally, Paulo, that, that the thing that really occupied Jesus' mind and heart more than any is the future, the fate of the twelve, mm-hmm. the, the eleven that would be left, plus later Matthias would be chosen to take Judas's place. Because Jesus knew how hard their life was going to be. He'd already told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Mm-hmm. Trust also in me. Mm-hmm. And then told them to look to heaven. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, um, you know, we read earlier his, his, his prayer. In him and his Father, I've not lost any that you've given me. And, and um, I protected them while they were here with me. But, but now they're yours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. just... It, just it's it's impossible to think about the emotion and and I know everybody in the audience, especially as a Christian, we're aware of these things, but you know one of the great things about Christmas and Easter is that they come once a year, and it's sort of I think Paul of God's way of telling us we need to remember these things always I think so we need to simplify, yeah, go back to stories you know as pastors we are we're always trying to figure out some new spin. Mm-hmm. on the Christmas story, a new spin on the Easter story. <laughs> and like everybody else, I used to wrestle with this. I've said the same things, and I'm going to bore people to death. And the Lord spoke to my heart one year, a long time ago now, mm-hmm. thankfully, and he just said, look, the story needs to be told. Keep it simple yeah. and just tell it. So we're going to tell the story. And um, it's it's a story that we need to remember often. You know, we don't get mature enough in the Lord that we don't need to remember these stories. And, of course, uh, that leads me to remind our audience, Paula, that we're going to be having our Easter services um, this coming Sunday, two services at 8.30 and 10.30 at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. It's a great venue. You will absolutely love it. Um, it's big enough that we only have to have two services, and and uh, we'd love to have you join us in the radio audience. If you come, uh, let uh, an usher or let somebody who's there know that you're from the radio audience, and Pastor Ron and Paula would love to meet you. And here's the thing I know that'll get him out. We may we may now be standing room only. Because I'm gonna tell this audience of thousands and thousands of people what? that they'll hear you, they'll be able to see you sing. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the big drop. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to hear Paula sing and see her in person oh, at the same goodness. time. And by the way, she's gonna look really cute. But Oh my goodness. But but if you wanna see Paula sing, she is gonna be performing with the worship team. Um, this Sunday, and uh, she does every Easter and sometimes uh, during the year as well. But um, we're going to have a big group out there, and so you'll see Paula. And that's even worth listening to me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so everybody, come out. <laughs> you're going to hear about Jesus, and you're going to meet a lot of people who love him, and they have devoted, I mean, seriously committed their lives Christ, and um, we get this all the time, you can feel the love of God when you come into our church and in that atmosphere, and um, what you'll find is it's not a holy place, but you will find a whole lot of sinners who are very grateful to the Lord for having rescued them from their former life, and they get rescued every day because we still are in our flesh, and so... um, you'll feel the love and you'll feel right at home no matter how deep dark your sin might be because we can look around the room and say, oh yeah, he or she was like that. They can tell you how good God is and and help you through uh, those stages of feeling either condemned, which is from the enemy, but convicted, which is good. I love conviction because we want to be more like Christ all the time. And so you'll, you'll walk into a room full of people like that, who will will surely say, oh, yeah, you fit in here real well. Usually that's me saying that. You're a hot mess? Good. You're in a room full of other ones. And so we pray that you all will come out 8.30 and 10.30 at Jetson Performing Arts this Sunday. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll free 877-630-5757. Uh, Paula, we also have a Good Friday service, and we don't have enough room here to invite masses of people, but 
um, um, explain sort of the impact of our Good Friday service. Oh, my what, gosh. What, what stands out to you? I remember the very service? first Good Friday service. You know, some, a lot. Of, I like being surprised. <clears throat> I like being surprised, but that first um, Good Friday service, I was more in shock. It was as though, you know how when you teach the word or when you're reading a word, you say, put yourself in the story. Well, that first night, you know, we're outside and they give us these little slips of paper um, and they say on there, what are the things that um, the Lord is dealing with you on? Um, what what sin do you want to, you know, you are aware of and you want to nail to the cross? Um, let me see. And what are you looking forward to um, with, you know, once you're, you've convicted, uh, you confess and, and move on what you kind of look forward to. So that's just the general. And so I fill all that out and I fold my paper up and then, you know, you get into the building and then you can hear this hammer and a nail. And it's like, what in tarnations is going on? And then you get in and, the, and you can see the cross at the front of the sanctuary. And then you just can't hardly... Um, you can hardly stand it because you know that the sins that are being nailed up there, Jesus took already, but it's so real um, that, you know, once I nailed my, my sins to the cross that very first time, and it happens pretty much every time, because the Lord just continually says, look, I want to cleanse more of you. I want to make you more like me. So when you get to heaven, there's less to burn up. And so then, you know, it's kind of like the first time anybody washed my feet, I couldn't really look at them. And so I'm sitting there in the front row, and so the cross and everybody is over to my left. I could hardly look at the cross um, for the, the guilt and the shame that I was going through, and then I could feel the Lord's hand under my chin to lift my chin up to say, tell me, look up, look up. I have redeemed you from past, present, and even future. But at the moment, oh my gosh, it was just overwhelming. Not like I was Jesus's mother or anything, but um, it was like I couldn't stand the sound of the nails being put into his hands. And, and the whole time that's going on, worship music is going on on stage and uh, people are being seated quietly as after they, they get through the line and nail their piece of paper to the cross. Um, from my perspective, Paula, as I sit in the front row um, watching the line and watching people nailed to the cross, um, I just see a cross that is empty. You know, I always nail mine to the cross I'll do it tomorrow afternoon. Uh, always the first on there. And then, um, um, other than that, there's nothing on there. And then I watch that cross fill up. Uh, and then it's hard to find a place to nail it in. And um, just just to hear the sound of the nail while you're worshiping God in song. Um, when you walk in, you understand that there's something really sacred about this night. Uh, and I think we need to, to to approach it with a level of solemnity and and reverence. Um, while at the same time, it doesn't change who we are. We're still a casual, loving church. But um, it's it's the one night of the year uh, above all others that we want to really reflect on what Jesus did. I'm going to talk about uh, Simon the Cyrene tomorrow night. Um, and... Um, I really don't know yet what God wants to do with that, but I just know that that's the message that he gave me. Uh, so uh, after that's all done, we will we will adjourn with family-style communion uh, and look forward to Easter when the tomb is empty. Yeah, that song we sing, you know, the, the nails in your hand, the nail in your feet, they tell me how much you love me. The thorns on your brow, they tell me you bore so much shame. And so that song really, um, yeah. I don't know that they're singing that. 
just... for, our, for our audience, don't ever get over that. Uh, don't ever get over that. Don't ever get to the place where you, you, you lose the, the sense of awe and wonder that he who knew no sin would become sin. The worst, the most vile things you've ever done, Jesus took those sins upon himself. And thinking about that, Paul, you know, I think the worst thing of all that Jesus had to deal with is understanding that he who is perfect was going to become soiled. How could he ever understand that? So, okay, that's Good Friday and Easter, 8.30 and 10.30 Sunday morning at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. We'd love to have you join us. Paula, what's on your heart today? And and just to, you know, Friday night is kind of solemn because, you know, Jesus is going into the, he's going to be crucified and, and buried. But Sunday morning comes, and man, um, it'll, it's a celebration. <laughs> he is alive, and we will be rejoicing. He's alive, he's well, he's good. He's ready to forgive any and everybody, and his arms are stretched out open wide, and you will sense that when you, if you come. So. Yeah, and uh, is it going to be live streamed? Uh, yes, it'll be live streamed. Okay. And uh, if, in fact, you have uh, any plan on coming, invite unsaved family members and friends. People always get saved. Oh yeah, at our Easter services, um, and and uh, I'm sure this year will be no different. Yeah. But. Um, we can wake up Sunday and know that because the tomb is empty, somebody's life is going to be changed. Yeah. And the kids, the kids have their own um, areas. It's so awesome there. There's a huge, um, there's rooms, just different classrooms for all ages of kids. There's a, a children's worship team. They have their own sanctuary and uh, stage for all of them. It's just a lot of fun. The kids really love Easter Sunday. At JPAC. <laughs> so the whole family is welcome to come. We have two services. If you want to come to both, okay. Help yourself. Come to one and serve at the other. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we're okay. actually, we've actually talked through most of the half hour. We've got about four minutes left. It's all Paula. Mm-hmm. So why don't you sort of give us an outline of where you're going to go in the next segment. And oh. we remind you that we'd love your phone calls and questions. Okay. Well, talking about uh, obedience equals love. And what? You know, Jesus set his face as flint, like we're talking about. He was in the garden begging, you know, if there's any other way. And yet there, his father said there is no other way. And so he loved his father so much. He says, Father, not my will, but thy will be done, you know, because I love you. And he also loves you, Pastor Ron. And so he says, I will go. I'm setting my face as flint. To go to Jerusalem. I'm going to hang on this cross and save these that you and I love so much. And so that's kind of where I'm going with obedience equals love. Jesus was obedient unto death. And he doesn't ask us to die for him. He asks us to live for him. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so uh, let's talk about obedience. Equaling love for us. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 12th chapter of Romans, Therefore, brothers, I beseech you in the King James. Mm-hmm. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that he's done, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Not dead sacrifices, but living, breathing sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. He says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will know the perfect pleasing acceptable will of God. And and that's all we have to do is remember every single morning that we get up it's it's a day that doesn't belong to us it's a day that belongs to the Lord. And we're to get up and say Lord what about me and what about today and if we will do that um, then we'll find out exactly what God has in store today. Mm-hmm. You know uh, one of the things that I was thinking about Paul as you were talking is that um, we so easily say Jesus became sin for us. 
Um, we can say he set his face as flint to go to Jerusalem, knowing what was ahead of him. But Jesus had to make the human choice. Jesus wasn't a robot. Jesus said, that which satisfies me, my meat, is to do the will of my Father. He said that very early in his ministry uh, to his disciples after meeting the woman from Samaria at the well. Um, Jesus, not willingly, not eagerly, but obediently went to the cross. Think about that. How many times do we do things obediently when it's something we don't want to do? But Jesus said, no. I always do what I see my Father do. It's another whole subject we can talk about another time, Paul, maybe next Easter, remember it, that Jesus' Father saw those nails being pounded in. Uh, hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the day day edition of the program. We'd love to have your live calls. Maybe you have a a comment about Easter or a story about how Easter's changed you. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. It's the word to stand on for life. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. So date the edition live in studio with me is my beautiful bride, Paula, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I, I said it's your show, but now it's really your half hour. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just figure I'm here, so, you know, that's good enough. Um, you know, this, as we were praying this morning, um, in Second John 1, 6, it says, in talking about obedience equals love. Um, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his command. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And so... Um, you know, this morning in particular, uh, and I try to do this every day. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes not so good. Um, but kind of going to the mirror and saying, okay, Paula, today it's not about you. Jesus is the one who's, who's supposed to be ruling and reigning in you. And since he is love, you know, you get the opportunity to die to yourself and not be so self-centered and selfish, but to walk in love. And that starts in our home first. Sometimes I don't do so good, but, I, you know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's helping. But once we go outside as well, wherever we go, we're looking for those opportunities to love for Jesus' sake. You know, and, and it's pretty awesome. You know, people know who we are. And uh, at the gym, it's kind of, I mean, it's it's good, but sometimes it's not so good because we're there <laughs> for a purpose. Tell, tell them about that T-shirt you saw. Oh, my about. goodness. The other day, I've been just kind of talking to a couple of these younger guys, you know, and trying to strike up conversations. And, you know, maybe we can talk about Jesus. Well, this one guy has a lot of tattoos. And, you know, I've been, I like tattoos, but again. And he's a nice guy. He's a nice he's guy. Him for yeah. And he's, he's always, he, he kind of says, well, you know, hi, mama. You know, even though I'm not his mother, of course, and he don't come to church or I don't really know him, but. Um, the other day, though, he had on this shirt that said, not today, Jesus. And I didn't say anything to him. I just started praying inside my head um, as, Lord, I don't know what that means. I just started praying for him. But the Lord will give me an opportunity to say, you know, you wore that shirt the other day. He probably will wear it again. But you wore that shirt the other day. What, what's up with that? Yeah, if I saw that shirt, and I'm, I'm always, as you know, I'm always looking at shirts. Yeah, but you have to get up like six inches from people. It's kind of creepy, but you can't see well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can see but, from a ways. But, but to see a T-shirt like that, I'd have to say, well, what's the T-shirt mean? I, I do that with tattoos. I yeah. look at people with, with tats and, and say, hey, tell me the story about this tat. Mm -hmm. and, and that often opens the door for yeah. people to oh, say. Yeah. Uh, I had one guy say, you know, I, I have this tattoo 
um, because it reminds me of, of my life when it was at its very lowest. Mm. And that is an open door that you could drive a truck through. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to him about that time and how he was rescued. And it always gives me an opportunity to share a little bit of my testimony. If I saw somebody with a, t- a T-shirt that said, not today. Not today, not Jesus. Jesus. I, was like, I had to look like three or four times. I, you know, I might say something like, you know, that's not smart, but why don't you tell me what you really mean by that T-shirt? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, just you're, you're praying all the time for open doors. And when we're going out as Christians, we're to be salt, we're to be light. And if people can't see that we love God, mm-hmm. uh, if, if they can't tell that we love each other, mm-hmm. then we're not being obedient to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm, I, now that you know about this shirt, maybe you can bring it up, but, <laughs> you know, I just feel like, I'm not really his mom, but for a moment I felt like, boy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to change that shirt. What's that all about? You know, well, I've already talked to him about his tats, because uh-huh. he's got, like, neck tats. And, yeah, yeah, and I've stuff. talked to him about the tattoos, yeah. too. And, you know, I always say, does that hurt? Yeah, and, and you know, um, does it does it keep you from getting a job? He said, no, I'm, I'm a mechanic, so it's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. but if somebody had a white-collar job, you know, it would really cause them. So, so we've, we've opened friendly doors. Yeah. But, but if that's a door that Jesus says, Run through this one, yeah. so we can we can do that. So we'll we'll see him. We see him almost every day mm-hmm. at the gym. So yeah. uh, I'll ask him. I like the T-shirt. The guy, the, the one guy had said, uh, "Kind of fit, kind of fat." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I need that T-shirt." <laughs> yeah, I like that guy too. Um, but anyway, you know, with even with that shirt, he's accountable. He's accountable, just like the rest of the people that are in our lives. Who maybe if even though we're not wearing a T-shirt that says "I love Jesus," um, like you're saying, they can tell that there's something different. You know, they can tell that um, we don't talk like a lot of people in the gym do. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, "Hey, uh, that's my wife. Can you uh, please not talk like that?" Well, we're over here in this area, and that guy wanted to beat you up, <laughs> and or but he apologized. He did. I looked at him and I said, what are you going to do? You're going to beat up an old man? Yeah. Because he was like 30. Yeah. And I said, so what are you And you are not. And, and he was like a foot taller than me and, yeah. and buff. And, and big, yeah. And, and so I'm thinking, so, and so all I could say, look, he said, you don't know how close you've got. I said, what are you going to do? You're going to beat up an old man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you that, that I represent Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and he said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, well, then all the more. Yeah. yeah. And, and. You know, he just walked away so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're on the other side of the gym. He found us. Yeah. I came over and said, I really need to apologize. You guys were right. And I am so very sorry. Mm-hmm. And we hugged it out and everything was fine. Yeah. So, you know, but, but, but see, those are the people that instead of letting them, if, if obedience is love, um, those are the kind of people that we have to love I understand they're the object of our ministry. You know, so often, Paul, especially in our polarized world, um, it's so easy to dislike things and unfriend people, and it's so impersonal. And and we look at people that that offend us, and instead of loving them, we get angry, mm-hmm. and we get defensive, mm-hmm. and we just don't want anything to do with them. Well, those are the very people that I promise everybody in this audience those are the very people that if you'll go out of your way to show them the love of Christ, God will begin using you in ways that you never imagined possible. And he's asking you to be obedient, and that's how you demonstrate just how much you love Jesus. Well, I don't care about that person. If you don't care about somebody who's on their way to an eternity in hell, you don't have the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you are a Christian and you have enemies that you refuse to forgive, if you have uh, anger issues... Uh, you may be saved and you may be going to heaven, but you're sure not walking in the spirit of God and not being used for the glory of God. And if you're not being used for the glory of God, the conclusion is inescapable. Then your life is empty and you know there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And God says, here's what's missing. How about telling that guy I love him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't like to be that bold, but you know what? It's not that hard. People are looking. Yeah. Yeah. To be loved. yeah, I had that lady. Remember that one lady in the gym? Because she asked me if I could do a particular move. And so I did it, and she had this foul word towards me. 
not just a word, but towards me. And I, my face was shocked. I was like, whoa, people who talk like that have issues. And this is what I'm telling her. I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And that was all that was said. Well, that night, the Lord just broke my heart for her. And, and she says, well, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? I said, yeah, I'm just going to pray for you. And so the next day when I saw her, I said, you know what? The Lord opened my heart to say that you have a lot of pain in your life. And that's why you're the way you are. And she was really huffy kind of then as well. And then I noticed that she would not talk to me any longer. But she made a point to talk to you. <laughs> yes. And to the other people from Calvary Chapel of San Antonio who also go to that gym, except me for the longest time. But I just kept praying for her, and mm-hmm. the Lord just, you know, just like we always say, people are the way they are for a reason. I remember, Paula, just one day after after a long time, uh, I, 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 I walked in, because I, I run up to the gym, and, and so you're there before me. I walked in, and you and her were sitting there talking and laughing, and I just thought, Lord, what happened? Mm-hmm. And... Um, she just kind of pretended like it never happened. Everything yep. was okay. Yep. Enough time had passed, I guess, mm-hmm. where where she just pretended like it never happened. And uh, when we see her now, she's very friendly, and um, you know she had a husband that died, and yep. uh, so so people are the way they are for a reason. We yeah. always say that, yeah. but they're the object of our ministry. Yeah. And uh, you know what Paul writes to uh, Philemon uh, in the sixth verse of that one chapter treasure. He says uh, to Philemon, who is a pastor in the Church of Colossae, he says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And the truth is, and if Good Friday doesn't remind you and if Easter doesn't remind you, we need to understand that if we're not actively sharing our faith, we don't get it. And and I know people will say, and they do all the time, Paula, well, I'm not like you. Hey, I'm not a, a an outgoing social person. No, you aren't. You used to, I used to, you know, where I used to work, they would have these parties. And you would say in the car, don't introduce me to people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's going to be awkward. Uh, this is not my husband, so don't look at him, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, you're not the social person, Um and, you know, but we, we balance each other out pretty well because I'm not the, you know, the one who can talk about every subject. So. Yeah, but that, that's the whole idea. You know, I, I'm just, when people are unwilling to share, uh, whether it's fear or it just makes them uncomfortable, um, they, they say, well, it just comes so naturally to you. It doesn't come naturally Mm-mm. to me. Mm-mm. But I want to please Jesus mm-hmm. because I love him. Yeah. And uh, I find out that when I open my mouth, the Holy Spirit comes out. And I'm always amazed at the result. So uh, I'm not I'm not the guy. I'm not the, the male counterpart of you. You know, you walk into a room and light it up. If I come in behind you, I'd turn the lights off again. <laughs> no. But But the idea is that we carry his light. And we've got to care about people. The person at work that drives you crazy, the person at work who gets credit for the things that you do. Uh, the person who just goes on and on and on and always wants to make sure they're the center of every conversation. Uh, we can understand those are the needy people that really, really need to be introduced to our Jesus. So if we'll take the initiative to be obedient, Jesus says, look how much they love me. And when we make those sacrifices, when we let God stretch us, um, that's when his smile on us is the biggest. I totally agree. 340-9585. No calls today, but if you have a question or a comment, we'd love to have you. 340-9585. Paula? Mm-hmm. You know, Ron, this was always curious to me. James, Jesus' half-brother, how did he not know or see that Jesus was the one? Did he just not want to see it? What? I'm laughing. Because I want you to think about something for a moment. Now, we, we just said people are the way they are for oh, a reason. Okay. 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 Can you imagine how many times James growing up was told, can't you be like your brother? Mm, yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> you know, you know, Jesus was perfect and without sin. Mm-hmm. 
And and as they grew older, of course, the resentment would grow because after Joseph died, um, um, it would fall to the oldest brother to, to take the role of the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be sometime around the time when Jesus began his public ministry. So they would say, well, Jesus, you should be out working. You were, you were trained to be a carpenter. You should be the one to, to protect your family. Uh, and Jesus was always around other people. And imagine again, you want to talk about resentment factor. Think for just a moment about the one you need. Now, James, a younger brother to Jesus. James looking up to his older brother, wanting his older brother's approval. Um, I mean, dad's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and seeing Jesus spend all of his time and energy with others. And then you'd hear multitudes talking about your brother, uh, the miracles he did. What, what miracles? He didn't do any miracles around here. Um, so, so James was a human. And I am confident, personally, that, that his rejection of his brother and resentment of his brother is what turned him into a man that would, throughout church history, throughout his life, he'd be referred to as old camel knees mm. because he was James the Righteous and, and he was known for his prolific prayer life. Um, you talk about gratitude. Jesus, you were in my home. I heard the stories. I knew about your birth. And yet I didn't believe any of those things. And yet after watching um, his brother crucified, um, thinking it was all over, all for nothing, growing even more and bitter, one day Jesus appears to him and says, James, we don't have a record of that conversation in Scripture. But we know that after Jesus appeared to him, he became a believer. And his whole life, he would think how unworthy I am. And it drove him to his knees. What a great object lesson Mm. for all of us. But the truth is, and we know this from Scripture, that Mary, Mary included, Mary who had the baby, the miracle baby, Mary who heard Gabriel, they all thought Jesus had lost his mind. Mm-hmm. You see, the family had expectations of Jesus, just like the people did on the day of the triumphal entry Sunday. They had their own image of what the Christ would be like, and Jesus didn't meet any of those things. So let's just, he's, he's bringing his unwanted attention. He's, we, he must be out of his mind, they would say. So they went to take charge of him. Jesus didn't scold them. He just said, when they said, your mother and your brother and your sisters are out there. And for this radio audience, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Mary had other children. Just think for a moment about Jesus' response to the messenger. You, they're your families out there. They, they want you. Mm-hmm. He said, who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? And then he would point with his hand and, and sort of wave it across the crowd. said, these who do the will of my father. These are my mother and my brother and my sisters, this is what real family is. Mm-hmm. And so James would have been rejected, and in our flesh is no good thing. You mean Jesus would have been rejected? No. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, James, no. Rejected James would have felt rejected by yeah, well, Jesus. Yeah, reject, felt rejected. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, um, he responded in flesh, and mm-hmm. our flesh is thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably would have said, what? What do you think you are? <laughs> I told you he was out of his yeah, mind. Get in the car, put your seatbelt on, let's go home. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Oh, okay. But he believed after Jesus' resurrection. Gotcha. After Jesus appeared, mm-hmm. and, and that would be true, of course, of the rest of the family mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Because I, I, I kind of thought that, but I wasn't 100%. So I'll just put it out there and let you, let you teach me, Pastor Ron. I love it. Um, and then obedience equals love. Here's one for you. Romans 6.16 Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So, go ahead. 
What's your question? It's my show. Why don't you go ahead and expound <laughs> on that? <laughs> I, you know, uh, people. This is another thing that that our our contemporary church culture doesn't like to hear. Um, you know, we think we're free not to believe. I'm free to do what I want to do, and those kind of things. But, but, but what Paul just said there is that you're not really free at all. You're a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. And people say, "I'm not a slave to sin. I can stop anytime I want." And I always challenge him. Okay, stop now. Just stop for a week. I don't want to. I could, but I don't want to. The truth is, we can't. We can't stop. It's 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 sin owns us. But as believers, and of course Paul's writing to Christians, as believers, um, he said, "Sin shall no longer be your master." It, it now is, but but no longer. Um, to the Corinthians, he writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It means that we don't have to do the things that we used to do. And this is a source of personal heartbreak for me because I watch people who who are saved, and I'm convinced they really are, but still bound by the old things in life that have happened to them, still getting angry, still holding grudges, um, still thinking that they deserve to have some fun and God understands that they need to be happy kind of thing. And I just watch people who hurt so deeply inside and yet because of the hardness of heart that sin develops, um, we, we, we push that need for righteousness in a, in a far little dark corner of our lives and continue on. And, and as long as we're happy, as long as everything seems to be going okay, then we just think God's okay with this. And um, Paul says, you know, we don't have to sin. I don't have to take another drink. I don't have to use any more foul language. I don't have to um, um, unforgive or, or be, be, be unwilling to forgive. Um, I can be set free from anything that binds me because then I'm a slave to righteousness. So I think, and it hurts people's feelings when I say it, but we're, we're all slaves to something. Mm-hmm. We're slaves to sin and we're slaves to Christ and uh, we reap the benefits of the choice that we make if it's the right one, but we also reap the consequences of the poor choices that we make. And and, and Paul is simply saying there that it, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it says you have been set free. Yep. So that. That's a choice since we have been set free. If we remain in the cage, even though the door of the cage is open, we've we've made the choice to stay in that prison, so to speak, yeah, and, instead of coming out into the new life, like you're saying of St. Quentin's life. Yeah, and, and Paula, we, we are, um, we've been set free. What we celebrate tomorrow night is when we were set free. Mm. Justified freely, Romans 3.24 says, when on the cross at Calvary. Um, now, I, I can imagine from Friday to Sunday, people think, well, how do I know I'm free? I still have temptation. I still feel like I want to do that. But you see, there's, there's always a Sunday following a Friday. And because of the empty tomb, we know that the power from heaven has been given to us to help us to walk in and enjoy the freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to tell people all the time, I used to sort of say this to you, um, what do people do on weekends when they don't go to the racetrack? I just thought, what horrible lives people live. Somebody say, well, I go to church, or uh, we, we, at that time, we lived in a Mormon community, and people say, well, well I give 10% to the Lord. And, um, by the way, that's works a salvation that should tell you something about tithing. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, is, is I'm going to do it because I have to. And I used to think, what an empty life that is. And then I met Jesus, and everything changed. Mm-hmm. And there's no explanation for how or why it changed other than, than the old me died, and there was a new me born mm-hmm. all those 28 years ago. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence and he he thinks following his father and in Jesus's footsteps is a lot of fun. <laughs> sure is a a life with a lot less regrets. But I remember, you know, 
going to sleep with a lot of regrets and waking up with shame, um, that's no longer the case. And so, yeah, I've been set free from sin. I still got issues. You know, we're still sinners. Um, but I've been set free from them, and I don't have to sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me end with this, Paula. We're inside two minutes now for the program. Um, when you go to Good Friday services tomorrow, think about what it costs God to make you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. We know the verses. But are you living in that freedom? Well, Good Friday promises that you can. And Sunday, at your Easter services, all you have to do is look at that empty tomb and know that the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to consider. Let me say one more time, Paula, we have two services Easter Sunday, 8.30 and 10.30 at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. We'd love to see you. Um, otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful Easter. you got about 30 seconds. Uh, well, just God bless you guys. You know, I was, there's a song we sing too. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, and we thank you. Yeah, one, one final reminder, we will not be airing a live show tomorrow because of our Good Friday services and because it's just a day for Jesus. So we'll be back live on Monday. Maybe we'll see you Sunday at Easter services. Have a great, great Resurrection Weekend. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.